Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Tonight, you good? Yeah, come on. Shout out to my friends, uh, Daz and Jack in the back. So good to have you guys here tonight. Uh, awesome. Yeah, so I'm Jared. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is my first time speaking on the Sunday night. So I'm really excited to be hanging out with you lovely, lovely people. Could we get the side lights on, Tolson? That'd be amazing. Oh, there we go. I can see your pretty and handsome faces. Awesome, awesome. Hey, before we get into um, the Word tonight, I just want to um, share a funny story with you guys about my kids that happened this week. It's not at all related, but I, I just like talking about my kids when I'm getting to know people because they're uh, like, you know, they're tiny versions of myself. And uh, my wife walked into the lounge yesterday because my oldest son, who's five, was arguing with my daughter, who's four. And, and they were just fighting. And, and she walked in and said, hey, what's going on? And Jasmine said, oh, Judy did this, blah, blah, blah. And Judy said, no, I didn't do that. Jasmine did that. And so, you know, Rihanna being the wise person that she is, being the mother, she said, well, you can't both be telling the truth. One of you must be lying. And Judah looked at Jasmine and said, well, she started it. And she looked at him and said, well, I'm a lady. Ladies don't start things, but we sure can finish them. <laughs> Which is like, oh my gosh, you're four. Crazy little tripper. Awesome. Hey, um, we're doing a series here at Thrive at the moment called Stronger, and it's, we're looking at how we can build our lives stronger with God, how we build our relationships stronger, and how that call of God's life just begins to outwork in us. And uh, Glenn was preaching last week as he opened the series, and I was sitting in the front row, furiously writing down notes, not notes to do with what he was preaching, but just while he was preaching, there was like this, you know, he was just accessing that, that gift of preaching, and, and the Holy Spirit was flowing. And I just pretty much wrote down, most of what I'm going to say tonight while he was speaking. And so I just had like a really cruisy week at work. I was like, yay, Jesus. And so tonight we're going to take communion up. What communion is, it's a symbolic thing. If you've never had it before, it's really, really cool. So there's bread and there's drink. The bread, it represents Jesus' body. So Jesus, 2,000 years ago, He went to the cross because His love for us was so radical that He died for us and He came back to life and He, and he begins to lead us into relationship with God. And so the bread, it represents His body that was broken on the cross. It says that you know His body was so badly tortured and brutalized that He wasn't even recognizable anymore. And so we take the bread to remember that His body was broken for us and then we have the drink to remember Remember that his blood was spilt for us. And in that moment, when he did that, when he died for us, he created this thing for us, which is our salvation. Or we get the word sozo, which means that Jesus died not only for the forgiveness of our sins, but also to restore us as sons and daughters of God. And what that looks like is it means that God wants to redeem and restore every part of who you are until you're completely whole. He wants to restore your physical health. He wants to restore your emotional health. He wants to restore your destiny. He wants to restore your purity. He wants to restore your integrity. And, and He is just awesome. And so tonight, we're going to take communion and we're going to remember what Jesus did for us. And I, I love communion. I'm just going to move this mic real quick because I'm paranoid that I'm going to stand on it and break it. And Mitch is like right there and he'll see that. So I've got these friends in Invercargill 
And any time they get sickness in their house, they just take communion at home. And they take it to remember that Jesus died so that I wouldn't have to suffer with the sickness. God, I hand my sickness back over to you. And I want to encourage you in your life, taking communion, it's, it's something that you can do to remind yourself and the environment around you that Jesus Christ is Lord over every area of your life. I had this, um, this really interesting time with my daughter, Jasmine, who I mentioned before. When she was about 18 months, she decided that sleeping was just not a good thing to do. And uh, what would happen, I would put my wee girl to bed and, and tuck her in and I'd pray over her and I'd worship in her room for a little bit. I'd like, you know, invite the presence of the Holy Spirit into the room and I would do all of those things and I would leave and around about 11 o'clock at night, she would wake up just screaming, absolutely screaming. So we thought, we'll do what you meant to do. We'll let her cry it out. We tried that a few different times and she would scream for two to three hours, just like blood curdling, screaming. And so eventually I'd go in there and she's just like shaking in bed. And the only way that I could get her to sleep was I would lie down on the floor. She would sleep on my chest with her head under my chin. And so I did this for a few nights and then a few nights turned into a week and a week turned into two weeks and then two weeks turned into six weeks where pretty much every night I was getting a few hours sleep uh, lying on the floor of her room with her, with her head under my chin. Nothing I could do worked. Putting worship music on while she slept didn't work. Inviting God to send His angels didn't work. Just going, declaring the blood of Jesus over the room. It just, nothing seemed to bring a shift to whatever was going on. And so I got up one day and I thought, this is it. Tonight, I'm going to take um, the spare mattress. I'm going to put it in my daughter's room. Honey, I'm not going to sleep in our room anymore. I'm going to sleep in her room. I'm just giving in because if I'm going to be on the floor, I may as well be comfy. And so I thought I'll do, try one more thing. I'll call Mitch because that's just what I do sometimes when I get stuck in life. I called Mitch up. It's a little bit of a pattern, but that's okay. Everyone needs to have that person that can help them out. And so I called Mitch and we came down here and we thought, let's take communion. So we, we cranked the deep fryer up because we we're going to have a man's communion. We've just got like a petite communion tonight, but it's, you know, the symbolism's just as powerful. But we, we got the man communion cranking up and we got the deep fried fish and we got that all out and we began to share stories about different things that we've seen God do. I remember when God did this and I remember when God did that. And as we began to talk about the things that God had done, we could feel the atmosphere in the room starting to change. We hadn't prayed at all. We just started to remember who He was and what it is that he did. As we took communion, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me so softly. And he said, hey, when you go home tonight, just sleep in your own bed. I've taken care of it. It's sorted. You don't even need to pray. And so we didn't pray or anything. I was like, God, that's really cool. I went home, went to sleep. Jasmine slept through the whole night and it was just absolutely awesome. And that thing was ever going on in her life. It just shifted off. And I just want to tell you, when we take communion tonight, be excited and be expected. It's nothing to do with what you're drinking and what you're eating, but it's completely to do with who He is and what He did when He died on the cross for us. It's such a cool thing. I love talking about communion. I love talking about the fact that Jesus died because I love the fact that He loved us so much that He was prepared to, to go to death. He was prepared to do whatever it took to see His kids come back. He was prepared to do whatever it was that He would bring His children back into Himself. 
And I love talking on this. And normally what happens when I speak on this, I begin to feel the Holy Spirit moving and, and I begin to partner with God in releasing wholeness to people, releasing healing to people, especially when I'm at youth or something like that. I'd be like, God, what are you doing? You say, well, I want to love people who've experienced rejection. Or I want to release healing over people who've had abandonment. I want to release hope into people that have hopelessness. And as I was thinking over this message and, and putting it together, and I love it when God does these things, I felt like He was saying, hey, they're really cool things and chances are He'll still do some of them tonight because He's really generous. But what I felt like He wanted to do is He wanted to show you a different aspect of who He is. The Bible talks about Jesus as being the good shepherd. That, you know, that Jesus would, would leave the 99 to go after one who was completely lost and gone astray and He would bring them back. And I love that aspect of Him. And often when we get to know Jesus, and if you're a new Christian, you're, you're probably experiencing this right now. And if you're not a Christian yet, if you don't have a relationship with God, chances are you're gonna get to go through this in life. And it is awesome. Where you meet Jesus and He begins to just pour His love onto your life and He begins to heal you. And what happens is, is, is that church for you can become a little bit like a hospital where, where you come in and God begins to just work in your life. And it's like He begins to teach you how to be vulnerable. He begins to show you that it's okay to be, that you're safe and you can begin to let Him into areas of your life. And He begins to pour His love onto you, begins to release healing on you, and He begins to lead you into wholeness. But what happens for, for Christians is often we get to that space and it's like we've met God, Jesus is loving on us, Jesus is loving on us, Jesus is loving on us and He's leading us into wholeness. But we get, it's like we go through the hospital, we get right towards the exit doors where we're about to go into the world to take Jesus into the world and we pause right at the end of the hospital going, man, I like the sense of Jesus as the good shepherd. I like the sense that Jesus is, is just that, that hospital where it's just all about me and Him loving me and Him healing me. But what I felt like He wanted to release tonight was a different aspect of who He is because He is a good shepherd, but He's also the commander and chief of the armies of heaven. He's, he's, he's the Lord Almighty and He wants to show you another aspect of who He is because Jesus as a shepherd will, will bring some things out in your life, but Jesus the Lord will bring other aspects out into your life. See, the, the life that He has for us is meant to be an adventure of faith. And as we mature in life, in our relationship with God, to be able to mature, we need to get to know different aspects of who Jesus is. If we don't do that, then our Christian walk runs the risk of no longer being an adventure and we slowly transition into a mundane routine of religion. You know, the Bible is, is filled with people that met God, grew in their relationship with God and then became heroes with God. And Hebrews, it talks about these guys as, as heroes of faith who did extraordinary things because they began to see different aspects of who God is. And the Bible says that these heroes of faith, they're in this cloud of witnesses where they're looking down and they're cheering us on. It says this in Hebrews 12, verse 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
See, Jesus, He's more than just a good shepherd. He's more than our rescuer on the cross. He's the author and finisher of your faith. And that's really interesting. Like He wrote the faith. The Bible says the faith we have is it's a gift from God. And He says, well, I, I give it to you. I designed it so it's, you know it's good. If Jesus wrote it, you know the coding on it is perfect. Because I'm going to give this to you, but it's actually not finished yet. How is it that God could give you something that He created, but it's not finished? Well, it's not finished because it's got a job to do. Because I'm going, to, I'm going to put my faith inside you, but I'm going to work with you. It's not you on your own. I'm going to work your lifestyle out with you so your faith gets brought to completion because your faith is meant to take you into a lifestyle of adventure. Your life is meant to take you to advance the kingdom of heaven. So often what Christians do is that we kind of, we stand back here and we laugh and we're like, yeah, God, let the kingdom of heaven advance. We just want to see that thing advance. And if it could advance over there and then it'll make the next few footsteps for me really easy. And then I'll step into like, God, you're taking ground over there. And when the ground's taken, I'm going to walk into it. I'm like, oh, but you just keep advancing, God. But the reality is the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is within you. So the only way the kingdom of heaven is going to advance is if you are advancing. Because everywhere you go, the kingdom of heaven goes. So if you've got a place in your, in your workplace where people don't know Jesus, and you're like, God, I need your kingdom of heaven to advance. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's why you're there. If you're, if you're going places and there's people who are sick, you're like, God, I need your kingdom of heaven to advance. He's like, yeah, that's why you're there. I put you there so that you could step out. Your faith will place a requirement on me to move and we will do something together because faith has got a job to do. It causes us to move into miracles, to move into breakthrough, to go from where we were over here going, I don't know who I am. I've met Jesus. I'm forgiven all my sins. Now I'm going through this zone of the good shepherd who's loving me and he's healing me, he's restoring me. I'm beginning to get identity. I'm a son or a daughter of God. And he takes you from over there to over here where you start going, you know what? I was designed to be more than just a conqueror. I'm, I'm a liberator. I'm someone who comes in and sets people free. I'm someone who comes in and sees Jesus redeem and restore. Our faith has got a lot of work to do. See, for me, what happens is I get a little bit bored in my relationship with God sometimes because I just, I love doing things. I just want to be doing stuff with God. I like talking with Him and stuff like that, but I like it more when we do stuff together. So I'm like, God, I want to do stuff with you, man. Let's do something cool. And so I start daydreaming, God, what would be some cool things that we could do? Or we could just go to an airport, hop on a plane, fly to a country, see where we end up and start preaching. That would be cool. I would enjoy that. Oh God, what if we just like stepped out in faith and gave a crazy amount of money away? Like sometimes, you know what, if you're just bored, just give something away. Just do something, you know. And so like, God, I want something. And then I begin to daydream about it, going, God, let's do something. And then eventually He gives me an idea. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's at a different scale than what I was meaning, God. 
you thought a little bit bigger than I was thinking. And he's like, man, we haven't even started yet. This is, the, this is like the entree of the entrees. And so I'm like, honey, to my wife, Ro, what should we do? She's like, let's just do it. I'm like, shall we pray? She's like, no, let's just do it. I'm like, no, let's pray for ages because then we might forget that he said something. She's like, no, we'll just do it. Let's just do it now. And so I'm like, okay, I step out and I'm doing it. And I'm like, yeah, God's gonna do something. And, then I, and I step out and then he does nothing. I'm like, God, why are you doing nothing? Like, this is worse now than it was before. Like, I stepped out and what are you doing? You're being so ridiculously unhelpful. And he's just like, I'm like, ah, this is not fear. And then I start going, oh, I really liked it when Jesus was like the Lord and commanded going, we're going to take the land. So I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Let's go see some miracles happen. We step out of faith. I'm like, where did you go? This is just me here now. And there's like, there's a crowd of witnesses going, "Ah." I'm like, I don't want them. I just want instant results. It's been eight hours and still there's been no miracles. I fasted from 9 p.m. to 8 a.m. I'm dying. And what happens is I start feeling like I'm just backed into this corner because it's just not working. I'm just like, huh, this is not good. And I'm not sleeping. I'm like, God, this was a stupid idea. And then I'm reading my Bible and I'm reading things like, you're not ones of those who shrink back in fear. I'm like, God, it's 5 a.m. I'm not talking to you. And I get to church that morning and Glenn's like, we're going to read from Hebrews. God says, we're not ones who shrink back in fear. And I'm like, shut up, man. I'm in the corner. This is not helpful. I don't want Jesus the Lord. I want Jesus the shepherd. Just tell me that it's okay. And I could just go back to being what I was before. But I'm like, I don't, what is this? And then Jesus, all He says is like, hey, you know what? You might feel like you're backed into a corner. You might feel like you've got all this stuff coming at you. But the question isn't, how do you get out of the corner? The question is, who is in the corner with you? Am I in the corner with you? Yes or no? And I'm like, yes, you're in the corner with me. Have I got your back? Yes or no? Yes, you've got my back. And he's like, stop worrying about what's coming against you. If I have your back, then this is it. We could see something incredible happen. Let's carry on with the adventure. Keep pursuing my call on your life. See, the crazy thing is, is often we look at what God is calling us to or what we think He may be calling us to, what people are saying God could be calling you to. And you just look at it and you're like, man, this is just not possible. God, if you could see the environment that my friends are in and you think that I could be an influencer to see them get saved, it's not possible. If you think that I could see my mum get healed, God, that's not possible. If you think that I could see my finances turn around, God, it's not possible. If you could see the lay of the land, you would know that that is not a suitable environment for my faith to mature and to thrive in. But the crazy thing about God is that when you are with Him, The company that you're keeping matters so much more than where you're walking. Because here's the thing, you could be, imagine this, walking through the greatest views and you've got this person next to you just going, I hate you, you're so annoying. You're just the dumbest person. And you're like, man, moment ruined. You could be walking through the desert and someone's like, man, you're the best person. I've brought you ice creams and I've got suntan lotion for you. And when we get there, man, we're going to have a swim in this beautiful pool. There's an oasis around the corner. Who you are with matters more than where you are going. 
And the crazy thing about God is when people keep the company of God, He's so real that He literally changes the lay of the land. See, Moses had this mission from God to see a whole nation brought into freedom. And he's leading this nation into freedom and he gets to this, to this sea. And he's like, flip, I took a wrong turn. There's like an ocean of impossibility in front of me. God, what should we do? And God just says, I got an idea. Stop praying and expecting me to do everything. How about you and I do something together? You reach your hand out and put a stick in the water. I'll do everything else. Oh, a stick in the water. I could probably manage a stick in the water. I'll put a stick into the water. And God's like, man, I'll split the Red Sea because I'm more important than the lay of the land. And so then the next generation come through and there's Joshua and they're leading into the promises of God and they get to Israel, but there's a river and flood called the Jordan. And it's just like this heap of mess, you know, like trees are like flooding down this thing. There's little wee gophers on them, like turn back, you're gonna die. And they're just like, ah. And what they do is they get the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. And God's like, tell you what, I'll stop the whole river if you'll keep your toes wet. And they're like, what? Just keep your toes wet. If the people who carry my presence would take the first step into that first puddle, I'll stop everything else. And so they take their first step and the water begins to bank up and they lead a nation through into God's promises on dry ground. Jesus, when He's on the cross and He's redeeming all of His creation, humanity is about to be restored and redeemed. What happens is Jesus' love is so powerful, reality and nature begin to bend to the will of God. The, the sky begins dark in the middle of the day and the whole ground begins to shake and begin to crumble. Dead people who have been long since buried begin to get out of their graves, like tombs are bursting open and people are like walking around the city because Jesus matters more than the reality of the lay of the land. Jesus is so amazing. He's so incredible. There's, there's a maturity in your relationship with God that I believe that He's wanting to invite you into tonight. There's a sense of going from being down here, going, God, I need you to come to me. I need you to help me, God. I'm stuck in where I am, God. I'm just, I'm just not good enough, God. I mean, I have been there and probably will have moments like that in the really distant future and near future, being honest. But what he so often does is like, you know what, I can, I can come down to you and I can keep coming down to where you are. But how about you step up into who it is that I called you to be and let's meet somewhere in the middle. How about you stop looking to me just to be the solver of your problems and you come partner with me in solving the problems of the world. If I just keep coming down to you, I'm gonna keep coming down to you. But if you come up where I am, you're gonna see things from a whole different perspective. See, what happens is we have our relationship with God and we see Him and we meet Him and we give our life to Him and He's awesome and He's our Saviour and then He begins to heal us. And we, if we just stay in this space, we'll only ever see Jesus from a certain point of view. 
But either through circumstances or faith, if we allow ourselves to begin to mature, we'll begin to look at the same Jesus, but from a different angle, and we'll see a different facet of who He is, a different element that we now require into the season that God has called us into. And it's in that process of maturing, it's in the process of stepping out in faith that you actually get to know more of who God is. It's awesome spending time with God, and I love spending time with God, but as you spend time with Him, He will cause you to step out in faith into new areas. And as you do that, then you'll get to see different parts of who He is and you'll get to know different aspects of who He is. People have this this thought that if they come to church and if they go to their home groups or their life groups or they go to youth or whatever, they'll get taught and that will help them grow. And it will, to a point. Paul writes in the Bible and he, and he talks to people going, I don't understand something. Like I've been teaching you guys for, for ages and you should be teachers now yourself, but I'm still having to teach you. And he says, like, you guys just, like, you just keep wanting to drink milk. You're just always drinking milk and you never want to eat meat. And milk's great for babies. Milk's great for new Christians. Just that whole aspect of Jesus being the good shepherd, that's great for that stage. And when you step into battle, you definitely need those aspects of Jesus again. That doesn't go away, but you develop more of Him. And Christians sometimes have this idea that if I'm meant to be getting meat into my life, teaching of real substance, things of God that will make me grow, then that means that the people who are leading me should be teaching me better. And and we always have a heart here to want to teach deeper truth of who God is and to steward the honour of being leaders with excellence. But the reality is a baby gets milk because it's brought to it. Meat by its very nature exists outside of your comfort zone. It's, it's out in the fields, it's out in the mountains. And if the only source of your relationship or your teaching, your understanding of God is gathered during a Sunday or a life group, then you're still on milk. You're still on milk. You're just getting what's being weighted to you. You're just getting what other people have taken from God and now they're serving a portion of it to you. But if you want to grow in your relationship with God, then you need meat. Meat by its nature takes time, energy and investment to go out and find us. And the pursuing of God, that maturity begins to come. See, I love hunting. I love getting out in the mountains. Mountains make you fit, they make you strong. And if you're scared of heights, they make you brave. But in Christ, there's different ways of of pursuing Him. And each of these disciplines are important in making you strong. They're like placing pillars inside of you. They, they increase your capacity to be able to carry His presence. They increase your, your, your knowledge and understanding of who He is. It's not like you're necessarily becoming bigger, but your understanding of how big He is continues to increase. See, fasting makes you spiritually strong. Reading your Bible makes you strong. Praying makes you strong. Worshiping makes you strong. Stepping out in faith makes you strong. Persevering makes you strong. Holding on to hope despite hopeless situations makes you strong. Being faithful in the little things makes you strong. Stewarding the gifts and talents in your life makes you strong. Seeking God with all of your heart will make you strong. See, Jesus loves us so much that He's not satisfied to to just leave us just living off milk, to just living in the relationship where He's constantly the rescuer of who we are. He wants to take us from that space and He wants to teach us to be hunters. 
He wants to teach us to be people that will pursue His presence, to teach us to be not only shepherds, people who carry His compassion and His empathy to the brokenhearted, but people who are fearless warriors following Jesus to see the kingdom of heaven advance until it covers the globe. See, Jesus died not only so that we would be set free, so that we would be ambassadors of who He is, that we would share in the work of seeing nations discipled and restored. Jesus, like He died on the cross 2,000 years ago, and if the world was going to experience the fullness of His salvation by Jesus dying on the cross alone, it would have been done by now. Like he's had 2,000 years to do it, but he's, he goes, man, I don't want to just step in and fix everything. I want to partner with my kids and I want to see my kids activated, called up to being champions of faith, to be sons and daughters. And hand in hand with my kids, I want to see my love begin to pursue and overtake every element of sickness, disappointment, depression, anxiety, brokenness, regret, and oppression. See, God today, I believe that He wants to teach you and show you another aspect of who He is. An aspect where you're still completely safe, but a little bit more out on the edge. An aspect where He's still completely loving, but His love is drawing you into dangerous places, but with a peace that surpasses all understanding. Uh, our revelation of who He is, where He is a leader. And I love this. This is Glenn's uh, motto for leadership and it's something that I've adopted. Uh, a great leader is someone who is simply going somewhere and inviting people to follow if they want to. Jesus is like, man, I'm going somewhere with your life. If you want to follow and see what I have, the purposes for you, then let's do that. We're going to take communion tonight. And as we do this, I want to give you this thought. As you take communion and you remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and has redeemed you and has a plan and a purpose for your life, would you begin to daydream with Him going, Jesus, what could you and I do together? What is it that you have designed me for? What purpose is it that, bef- that the Word says before you created the world, you knew me, that I was fearfully woven together in my mother's womb. To have that detail and intent for my life, what grandness and greatness did you destine me for? What next step of faith was my commander? Would you cause me to step out to? Jesus, you're not just my Saviour, you're my Lord, and my life is forfeit, laid down for you. I will follow you. I will see your kingdom move. Begin to daydream. Jesus, what would that look like? And then as you daydream, say this really powerful prayer. God, I give you permission. God, I give you permission. I give you permission. You're going somewhere and and you're inviting me to follow. I give you permission. Call me. Call me. Make it clear in my heart. Call me. Just wonder if everyone would stand, please. In a moment, I'm just going to let you, you go and take communion. We've got different tables set up around the back and there's, you know, there's communion there and there's Bibles if you want to grab a Bible and, and sit down for a little bit. There's, there's pens and paper if you want to grab a pen and paper. If, if God starts speaking to you, that you can begin to write down some of the big things that He may be calling you into, things that He might be saying, hey, I want you to lay this down or I want you to pick this up. But if you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know He is the greatest thing that ever walked the face of the earth. 
And He's as real then as He is real today. And He's my best friend. And He died on the cross so that you would have the full freedom and loving forgiveness from every sin you've ever made. That you would have a relationship with God, that you would get known as a son or a daughter, that He would lead you through the most grandest of adventures. If that's you tonight, and as people go to take communion, uh, we've got this awesome leader of our young adults here. His name's Jack. He's gonna be over by the cross. If you're here tonight and you just know that, man, I need to meet Jesus. I need to meet Him. I need to know this love. I need to go through that hospital zone of having hurt or abandonment or brokenness, rejection or addiction, all those things. I need that healed in my life. I wanna be living for something more than myself. Then I wanna encourage you, as everybody begins moving to take communion, would you be brave enough to go over to the cross and Jack's gonna be there and he's gonna introduce you to the Saviour of the world. Awesome.